welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Hey, Paul, how's it going today? Uh, doing well, fantastic. As we were joking about before, we probably should have turned the mics on and hit the record button. Uh, well, the mics were on. What am I saying? Hit the record button. We had a lot to say. Um, catching up. I'm sorry. We, we hadn't caught up in a while. Just life got in the way. It's tons of busyness. My fault. Um, been hitting a lot of colleges, Paul. Um, and so this is kind of a timely topic that we're going to focus on today, which is student loans, an exploration of how most people have to fund college. Um, but so far, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. Um, and we'll dig into that a little bit. Uh, But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story uh, was from CNBC, um, and it was how this shopaholic became a minimalist after $120,000 in student loans. Just crazy, right, Paul? I don't know. I read through this story, and, and... once again, um, they cite Dave Ramsey, um, which we talked about a little bit on the show in the past. He was kind of the inspiration for me to to really focus on paying down the mortgage and getting rid of it. And I used to listen to him all the time. Um, and we did a whole episode on Dave Ramsey, so you could listen back. But she's following those baby steps. She's tightening the book, you know, tightening the belt and, 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 and saving all her money and not going out for dinners and all this kind of stuff and just making sure that she's... Uh, doing all the right things, and I guess she's speaking out on social media as well, and kind of, I guess using that as kind of a tool to kind of move forward and talking about this minimalist culture, uh, which I think we talked about in another podcast years ago as well with the millennials, um, with these different types of um, uh, budgeting where you live this minimalist lifestyle. So I know I'm all over the place, Paul, but what was your take on this story? You know, I, I thought it was actually kind of inspirational that she she admits to being a self-professed uh, shopaholic, right? And uh, I think one of the first quotes in the article is, I remember getting those boots, and I was like, holy ass, bad word. Mm. I can't afford these, but I kept them anyways. And I, I think they've actually done lots of studies on this of how addicting shopping can be for people. And it, it sounds weird that shopping can be an addiction but it but it, it truly is the um the chemistry in the brain how it reacts for certain people that they're they're addicted to the high of buying stuff constantly and with credit so easy it's just so easy for people to get in so much trouble i mean this most of her debt was for um i think pharmacy school is what i believe i read there and then hundred twenty thousand dollars both bulk of it is that so that's a lot. That's a lot of money, but you got to give your hat off to her, right? She she realized she was in a spiral, stopped it, and went about fixing it, and very aggressive. And as you said, the great Dave Ramsey baby steps. So it's really kind of um, really kind of neat. And but I think she might have taken it to the nth degree of you know the complete minimalist stuff, which is great if uh, if that works for you. Yeah, no, I, I think um, if, if people listen to Dave Ramsey, they'll hear a lot of these stories every day um, where people are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they roll up their sleeves and there's this huge commitment 
to uh, starting getting rid of that that debt, whether it's sixty thousand in student loans or it's you know credit card debt or car loans. Usually, it's a combination of a bunch of a bunch of debt, right? Like that people that people get trapped in, and so it, it is a good story, and I think I we suggest reading it. Um, the second story is four common money mistakes college students make. And I thought this was great. I think we picked some pretty neat stories that were kind of targeted to the podcast this week. So we had, you know, they talk about in the article misusing student loans for things and funding lifestyle outside of college. And, and you should be using it for what it's intended for to pay for tuition and maybe room and board. But people are taking advantage and taking out extra money to, to for extra things that they really don't need. Um, and then not paying attention to the repayment terms of their student loan, not really knowing what they've signed up for, um, racking up the credit card debt, which, you know, I was guilty in college. I remember um, I racked up over $5,000 in credit card debt, and I, I hit it real hard, got rid of it, and, and then never carried a balance again. But I could see how that can happen. I fell into that trap myself. Um, and then thinking they don't need to learn how to manage money until after college, a big mistake, right? Like that's something we talked about that and ranted on that for two years now on the podcast, whether it was Jody or yourself, Paul, where we tell people, you know, they, they should be teaching this stuff in high school, right? Like you got to know how to manage your money. You shouldn't be leaving high school without knowing. Um, but, you know, the bottom line they talk about is just making sure you're doing the right thing with these pieces. Um, one more aside, um, my niece is going to college in New York City, and I've had this conversation with her, and she did all the right things. Um, you know, she took a lot of AP credits in high school. So between that and she took some remote college uh, to save money on the first year. And she walked in um, to college as an advanced sophomore. Right. And she, you know, got a um, went, you know, got her dorm and uh, picked a lower cost dorm, got a job working in the dorm and uh, is on track to be an RA next year. So, you know, she's saying, well, you know, next year I probably won't have to pay for room and board if I become an RA. And, like, she's just doing all the things she can to minimize the impact of the student loans because she does have student loans. But she's really trying to minimize how much she's taken out because she realizes, eyes wide open, that this is no game, right? You take out a ton of money, you got to pay a ton of money back with interest, and people are just saddled with this stuff forever. So... I know I went off on a bit of a rant there, Paul. Um, I'll let you have, uh, I'll let you get two words in edgewise or whatever. Uh, what's your take on this story? Well, um, I'm actually focused on your niece right now. That that story there, and hats off to her. That that again is amazing how she's taking advantage of the opportunities presented to her. Um, you know, the AP credits. If your uh, child is you know, smart enough to do those things, and and it works out, that's really really great and awesome i know my two kids they did take a lot of ap classes they're much smarter than i am so it was really great the school they went to didn't accept any of them but that's uh for different reasons and you know uh, they have a great education so there's no complaints about that at all especially their um tuition i can't complain about any of that so you know but looking at those things like well if she does this and she become an ra and then you know then you're you know that whole room board scenario changes dramatically. That's it's really, really great for her. But overall, back to the story itself, Paul, misusing student loans. Again, as you said, we, we talked about this. People coming out of school, out of high school, don't know how to manage money. And, you know, to some extent that's 
you know, the school, to some extent, it's the parents. Parents have to be open and teach their kids about money and let them in on those money discussions. I know most people don't share a lot with their kids from a finance point of view. I think my wife and I, we, we've shared a tremendous amount with them. Not Obviously not everything, because you also don't want to like get them worried about things if there are things to worry about, but just letting them know how to manage it. And the, some of the best things we did were, okay, you want that new hockey stick. All right, well, you got birthday money. You, ha- you have enough money to pay for it. And, and then the tune changes very quickly. Mm. And it's just giving them those experiences as early and as often as possible. So when student loans, all of a sudden, they seem like they're flush with all this cash. It's all got to get paid back with interest. And uh, they're just short-sighted on it, I guess, is how I would word it. Yeah, no, and I think I think we're into the topic, right? Student loans and exploration of how most people have to fund college. Um, you know, and... and for me, I think at this point, um, I've been going on many road trips now with my son, um, looking at colleges. We've looked at three so far. We have three more to go this fall to take a look at. Um, and, you know, we're exploring all the options. Um, and I think just like everybody does, um, they have your, your stretch schools. You have your, your schools you believe you think you'll get into. And then you have the schools you really think you could get into, right? Your safety schools, right? So nothing much has changed since I was a kid. Um, so we're trying to look at college through that lens, and we're, we're trying to pick universities that make sense, that are aligned with his uh, with his interest, and and hopefully that sticks. Uh, but also to look at schools that, if his interests change, uh, we can move things around. Um, I've had a lot of fun visiting these colleges, um, having some pizza off campus on some of them, um, and and talking to students and um, checking things out. And so for me, um, it's been it's been an interesting journey, um, and just doing um, a lot of due diligence um, around the savings for us. Um, our situation has always been I, there's no secret. I've talked about it on the podcast before many times. Um, ever since the kids were born, um, we put a set amount in, or we try emphasis on try to put a set amount in every year um, to the 529 plans um, in New York State. That was our plan of choice for a variety of reasons and we just stuck with it they've done okay and you know thank god that we have some money saved for their education but it's a wild card right depending on the university we go to um can we afford to pay for it all maybe um but if maybe not right probably not i should probably use the word probably not right there's enough there to to get us going um and then you know looking at you know, these loans, right? And I'm scared to death of these loans, right? The more stories I hear, the more things I hear. And and I'll preface this with, I'll go off on a rant. I don't care if they're private loans, parent loans, well, parent plus loans, you know, university loans. We'll talk about all these things today, right? But at the end of the day, these loans, you know, are, are loans. They are mortgages of sorts that you have to pay back, right? And with interest, right? And And, and you would think that the interest would be similar to what mortgage borrowers are today, but I don't, they don't look like they are. Maybe some are, but a lot aren't, right? A lot are higher interest rates. But anyway, um, Paul, what's your current situation? Maybe we could kind of dive into the different types of loans and we'll rant some more on the dangers of uh, student loans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so getting getting more into today's topic, you know, my one son is uh, 
graduated college and got his job and uh, moved down south. And my younger one is a senior in college right now and not sure if he wants to go to grad school or, you know, get a job or, you know, maybe a job that helps him pay for grad school. So those are all things we're looking at right now and and then funding for grad school because it can be a little different than funding for college. So it's funny. There are specific graduate school loan programs like Sally May has one just for graduate schools. Um, and then there, there are other sorts of sources of income or to, to go to grad school. So if you're going for your Ph.D., especially Ph.D. in, in engineering sciences fields, generally you can get grants for a lot of that, which is kind of mind-blowing. But if you're going to the Ph.D. level, there's money for that. So um, currently with the kids, you know, we, we did use up all of our 529 plans. So we've exhausted those, which is good. You know, we, we, we did have some. I wouldn't say a lot in it, but we, we did have some. And like I said, fortunately, they, both kids um, did really well in school and were able to get into a great school with a phenomenal education program that was tuition-free. So I, I, I have zero complaints there, Paul. Yeah, no, that's great. And and I think um, that's probably the edge case of – but most people are going to be in the boat of – looking through the you know looking directly at the road ahead and um the majority are going to have to take a loan right of some yes. sort um and there's the fafsa you know fafsa fafsa program uh which i've read about and and starting to look at and um but i think at the end of the day there's and we talked about this on the college plans episode um, yes, a student should be exploring all the options, um, scholarship, either, you know, sports or, or academic. They should be looking at filling out all the paperwork for any scholarship they could find, filling out the FAFSA, FAFSA form, see what you're eligible for. There's all kinds of things. And you don't know unless you fill out all this stuff. But let's assume that you've done all your due diligence and you've gotten some level of aid whether it's in scholarship form or, or grant or whatever it is. And, but now you're staring down, still looking at paying for, for college and, and how do we pay for it? And you got the parents sitting there with the kid. How do we do this? Right. And, and you're looking at a student loan. Right. And, and I think today just kind of diving in, you got, you know, the two types of loans, the private loan and they got the parent plus loan. So you got the government sponsored ones and the private loans, the private loans are typically the ones that, are from the university directly, right, Paul, I believe? And that's what I had at Fordham. I had a private loan. It wasn't through any sort of uh, government program. It was direct with some bank that Fordham had hooked up with, and I took the loan directly from there, and it was for four years all-inclusive um, for the tuition. Um, didn't include room and board, and I paid that miserable payment every month for a very long time until I was able to knock it out. And um, I think if you listen back on the podcasts, uh, there's a whole story about uh, my financial superhero helped me um, fix my payoff problem that I had with the loan. So you can listen back to some of the episodes and, and find it. But it was it was crazy, right? Like so. And then you have, I guess, where we're going to focus today a little bit is these parent plus loans and kind of reading through it. Um, you know, it, it's interesting in terms of you know what they offer. 
And, you know, I'm looking at the the, the current interest rate right now is, is 6.28. Is that correct? I'm, I'm looking at it yeah. online, Paul. No, All right, no, so I'm not no, losing my mind. That's not a, that's a, not a smudge on my screen, right? We're, no, no. Mortgages for your house are, are two. Three. I, yeah, two. Yeah, three. I, so I talked to a guy yesterday in Seattle. Uh, he's pay, he just got his first house. Um, congratulations to him. And he and he was um, three one, three point one percent, right, for a house, yep. right. And and he's got a job, and his wife has a job, and you know all these things. And I just how do how I don't know how we justify for parents and kids paying six point two eight. That's a real interest rate, right? Like that is that's hard to. That's hard to – that's a lot of money to pay back, right, when you start piling on that interest rate. And, you know, if I read through this and, you know, they'll tell you, well, you know, you don't have to start paying your school loan until after your kid finishes the four years, right? But I'm assuming when you start paying, I don't think the interest starts when you start paying, does it? I, I don't think so, right? Um it, it depends on the loan, I think, Paul. Uh-huh. Um, generally, you have a six-month grace period after you graduate to start paying the loan but you can pay early is the money free up so, until that point though paul what's that so if if you take out ten thousand dollar loan and it was six percent do you only start getting charged interest after that six month grace period or is or no, is it no the interest from starts the beginning? compounding from when you get to 10 oh, from grand. day one okay that's nice of them okay Sorry, I'm I'm like I'm I'm fired up on this. It's whole not statement. nice of them. You, 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 the loan starts ticking as soon as you get the money. Yeah, so I I, I hope we're I know we're we're sort of being I'm being sort of really hard on this, but I want people to realize that this is what it's all about, right? So you're gonna, you know, and I, ten thousand dollars is not gonna cut it, right? So let's say you take a loan out for a hundred thousand dollars at six percent, and you, now you're in college for four years, and you take advantage. Okay, you know. Um, well, I really didn't like these dorms. I want to live off campus. Okay. Oh, sure. Here's another 20 grand, right? So now you, you graduate with 120, 125,000 in student debt. And now six months later, you start to pay it back. The interest is already accrued. So that number is ballooned out. You think you owe 120, 125 and it's higher and you have to start paying it. Right. And you have to hope that your job is there and, and you got the right career choice and, you know, all these different things. And it's just, it's just very odd to me. And maybe, you know, Paul, what's your thought on that? Cause I definitely have more to, I definitely want to talk about the parent plus loans because that one's my favorite. <laughs> no, keep, keep going, Paul. You're, you're on a tear at the moment. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. I, the reason I say that is because, um, and, and I think I'll, I'll calm down a little bit, but the parent plus loan scares me the most, right? Because that's where most people are doing. There's parent plus loans where, it's really a cosign relationship, which we've talked about. Cosigning for anybody is something you don't want to do. And the only way you discharge these these loans are through some horrible, horrible situation, right? Death, dismemberment, you know, and maybe even some for, forms of disability you can't discharge, right? Like, so it's really interesting to me if you read the fine print, and I've been looking at this, I probably should, if I look closer at these loans, I'll probably even have more to say <laughs> Paul but what's your take I'll, I'll be quiet for a minute what's your take on this whole parent plus loan and interest rate and, and the terms and all the, everything associated with it so uh, I just find the parent plus loans a lot of them are, are federally backed as well it seems like an exorbitant rate 
but you know, it's 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 a market thing, right? It's a, it's supply and demand. There's a lot of demand for these loans, so they're they're increasing the rate on it. Uh, this goes back to some of the political things a few number of years ago, where people saying college should be free. I don't know how that that someone's got to pay for this somehow, right? Someone's got to pay for all this somehow. If you want to go to college, and especially a private institution where it costs a lot more money, you're you're probably going to need loans, and, and you need to really sit down and understand the value you're getting of that education, and and you're banking on yourself. But let's, let's not forget that you're banking on yourself and saying, okay, when I come out of school with this degree, what kind of job am I going to get? And, and what kind of salaries are those paying? Is that a dying industry? Is that a growing industry? What, what is it? And you really need to, to, to understand, you know, if you're going to school and you're, you're getting a, I don't, I don't want to pick on any degree in particular, but a, a degree and you, you come out of school and it's only paying, you know, $40,000 a year, but yet your tuition room board all in was 60 a year. You, you're going to be paying off that loan to your 50. Yeah. Yeah. The you math know, doesn't it, work. So you have to bank on yourself and understand you, you might love that field and have a great passion for it, but you need a way to provide for yourself food, shelter, and then if you, you know, do you want to have a family or, or anything, uh, you, you'd be forced to be living a minimalist lifestyle that way too. By the way, <laughs> yeah, afford anything else. Uh, so, the, the loans are there, and you can get them, but and, and it's a really hard discussion from a parent-child point of view, because. You know, you want to, you always want to give what you can to your child, right? And you, you, you just love them so much, and they will never ever understand that until they have their own kids. But so you want to provide for them and, and help them as much as possible. But they need to take responsibility, and I'm sure these discussions happen all over the country. And someone wants to go study a, a major that really may not give them a good shot at a career at all but they want to study that. And it's a hard discussion for the parent to say, okay, I know you love that, but that's not going to put food on the table. And then you get the whole, you don't love me, you don't support me sort of things, right? I'm sure that echoes throughout the, <laughs> the country. But in today's world, it's really hard. Most families are dual income now because it is so hard. But there are other things to think about, like your niece looking at different ways to do that. Well, maybe they get their second passion is a better paying career, and they could have their little side hustle, right? I, whatever that is. Maybe, I don't know, writing copy on blogs or teaching musical instruments or going off and doing geology studies. I, I, I don't know what those fields pay. Some can pay very well, obviously. But finding a balance between those two worlds is probably the hardest discussion to have around the financing of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great. You said a lot of great things in there and especially investing in yourself. Um, I was talking to an, another friend of mine over dinner and his daughter, when she started looking at college, wanted to go 
and wanted to be in the fashion industry. And uh, I think went to a, one of the, one, I think it might have been FIT, and spent one summer interning and realized that, you know, unless you're in the top 10% of that industry, you really don't make a lot of money over the course of your career, right? It just, that that's what I was told. I haven't done enough research on it. This is anecdotal. This is what my friend told me. And she switched gears and became a teacher, right? And, and switched careers completely and switched majors, um, which which is paying off, right? It's working out in the end. Um, to your point, you know, if she's got a, a, a passion for fashion, um, there's other outlets that you could do in terms of side hustle, hobby, whatever, right? But, you know, realistically, looking at the industry, it became tough. I sort of had the same type of scare, Paul. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast. Um, when I was looking at colleges, I was looking at Johnson & Wales in, in Rhode Island because they were a hotel and restaurant management. And when I worked, um, I worked in food service throughout high school. And I thought, well, maybe that's what I'll do, you know, until the guys I, were work- I was working with, because um, the restaurant industry is very tough, right? No matter what aspect, whether you're chef, owner, operator, you know, um, manager, whatever you're doing, or working in a hotel, or whatever that is, I think it's it's a good career for those who who love it and want it. What I noticed was the guys I was working with, who I thought you know were in their fifties, were in their thirties. It just beat the <laughs> heck out of them. And I'm not lying. Uh, Phil and Steve and, and Jim and I remember these guys that we worked with. And I could tell you that except for one guy, none of them stayed in that industry. We got one friend uh, that I was working at, at the amusement park with in foods. And he, he has a passion for restaurants and he's owned his own restaurants and he's taken chances on putting them together. And he's had some success and then he's had some failure. And they, But he's always trying, but he loves it. Right, you would have it any other way. So that's that's the ten percent, right? That are gonna take the bull by the horns and really make it work. And he really loves it, so he doesn't want to not be in the restaurant industry, right? But for me and my other friends, we're like, "Whoo, can't do this for fifty years. We'll never, we won't make it to fifty, right? Like if they look like they're fifty when they're thirty, we're not gonna make it, right? So it is good to kind of go in eyes wide open to these different things. And and I, I the other thing I wanted to touch upon, Paul, is what you just said about giving your kids the best that you can. Now, I I would say that, you know, before visiting the schools, um, that was sort of my thought was, you know, we got to be, we got to sit down. And they talk about this all the time. You got to sit down and go through and, 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 you know, be realistic about what you could spend and everything. And, but then I see my kid light up when he goes to certain schools. I'm like, oh, okay, how am I going to take this <laughs> second job to pay on top of the first job to pay for the college, right? Like, I really start really, like, I, I, how am I going to say no? Like, if you, you know, and, and that's the tough conversation, right? Like, is to try to figure that out. And and everybody's situation is different, and I'm not going to presuppose anything. I'm going to let everything play out. And, you know, between my wife and myself, thankful, grateful, throughout the pandemic, we've had our jobs. Um, you know, we've we've done okay. We don't do much. Um, we'll, we'll figure it out what this looks like, but, and, and, and the possibility of a loan is certainly there. Um, it's certainly a, a tool in the toolbox that we, we could leverage, but man, I, I look at the interest rate and I look at the stories and I listen to Dave Ramsey and I read these articles and it is frightening, right? What people have to go through. And there's loans where, you know, parents co-sign for a child and then the child 
dies and the parents are still paying the loan because they co-signed, right? Um, depending on the yeah, loan structure, right. right? Like it, the well, stories well, out there well, are we, horrible. We know you're you're always good for the negative story. We know we know that. <laughs> well, what what are the positives of these loans? I guess the positives are if you can use them the right way, just like a credit card or any other kind of credit tool, um, like we use the chainsaw analogy with credit cards, and maybe we fo- you're right, maybe we do focus on the positive. You know, you could do it the right way like my niece is doing, right? You take a structured approach, eyes wide open. You know that you're going to have to take on student loans. You minimize the debt impact. You work your way through college. Do all these things that will get you through to the end. Um, she's a criminal justice major. Um, she will probably have a job when she finishes. Um, and, and and plan the five years beyond college, right, where you're saying, you know, hey, okay, my college is done. Now, these next five years, I got to pretend like I'm still in college and have that kind of level of cash because now I'm earning all this money and I got to ba- put it all back into the loans. So you got to go in saying this is a 10-year deal, right, minimum, right? So if you're going to take I would say if you're going to take out loans for four years, you're going to spend at least another four to five years paying them off aggressively. Otherwise, they'll hang around like a, like an angry pet. You just lock up when the company comes over, right? It just yeah, you I know. Mean, and that's really aggressive paying off. The, yeah, depending on your income and and how much. But uh, but a lot of these numbers that we've been talking about, Paul, some of them are you know private institutions and some of the state institutions. If you were in a resident of that state. Are, are much more affordable and you can get some great educations from a lot of these places too. Yeah. You and really and we're looking at a mix, right, Paul? Like uh, personally, I was, you know, open in the kimono. I, maybe that's a bad analogy. You don't want me open in a kimono um, or picture that. Um, but you're looking at schools that some are private, some are the New York Sunnies, right? So we're looking at a whole basket of, of options, right? And, and kind of taking some of the things that you were talking about, Paul, when you were going through it with your boys, you know, I would have those teachable moments with my son. And every time we go and visit a campus, I ask him to stack rank what we've seen so far against where we are today, right? And if you had to kind of stack rank one school versus the other, who wins? And then if you stack rank that school against the school we're visiting today or we visited today, what does that look like, right? And and so... We're trying to get that feel for, um, you know, what he's going to want and kind of logically think it through and really focus on the criteria that matter. Um, and, and I think that the campus life is is important um, as long as it's not opulent, right? I, I think I've read uh, some, some, some schools have like, uh, what do they call it? Those lazy rivers? Like there are some schools that have like the lazy river around the pool. Like, it's crazy, right? If you Google it, you'll see it. Like, you'll see Lazy River, Pool, School, College. Um, they're there, right? Um, and, and and it's just kind of funny how that works, right? Um, and so, Paul, what's your take on, on kind of that piece? Yeah, so I, I had a couple of thoughts on it. One, um, I kind of lost, but I, I was back to our other episode about the college flight plan. I, I actually sent a good friend of mine over to look at their site. Their son graduated college, okay, and he still doesn't know what he wants to do. Mm. So he's still toying with a couple different ideas. So I told him to go take a look at this. I know he's done, but that might actually help. And I know they've uh, started looking into it and and doing it. Now, as far as um, the other component of it and some of the 
opulence. Yeah, it is. It is out there. It is crazy. And I sort of just forgot your question at the moment there. Uh, well, well, I guess we were talking about some of the opulence and stuff. I did find it was LSU that has a lazy river. I'll post it to the website. Great call out for the college the college flight plan, right? Our friends, they were awesome on the show. Um, we had them on. Please listen back. They had a lot of good stuff. And Paul, that's a great call out, right? They have tools that even if you're out of college, right? Even if I think if you're 30, you could take those tools and figure out what you want to do, I think. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people that just never found their their niche. They were maybe misguided and or too much influence from, say, a sibling that tried to push them one way, and they're just not happy. And, again, there, there are things you can do. You can, you know, maybe if your passion doesn't pay, well, maybe that's your side hustle, like I said, or – and you have something that can pay the bills. That's not ideal, I know. But if you go back to our intro article about the minimalist lifestyle, it's easier if you're not um, massively consuming things all the time. You have to choose how you want to live and, and, and what you want to do. But having those discussions, Paul, with your son and as you're going around and looking at schools or um, – it's great. And as you're doing a stack ranking, I thought I had sent you my spreadsheet I had created for that. So what I did with the kids, I said, okay, what's important to you? Give me the top, I think, 10, 12 things that are most important to you. You know, like, does it have your major, right? You know, th things like that, as well as some of those intangibles about campus life, um, you know, school reputation, maybe, if that was important for the field they want to go in. And I had them rate those on a scale of one through seven so each item gets rated and that's force ranking not necessarily ranking but each thing can be a one through seven and everything can't be a seven you can only allow it. i think i only let them do like two or three sevens out of the 12 and you can only have you know again two or three sixes so i sort of really force rank it that way by math and then i hide that sheet and then for each school we evaluate them on that same criteria and they have to rate the school for each one of those items. Again, a scale of one to seven. And then what I did is I merged them all together at the end with, say we looked at five schools. Okay, here's how you rated each one and here was your baseline. And well, I, I know it's hard because it, that's just cold, hard math on it, but it, it's eye-opening. And it, it helps have a different discussion, you know, because some of the emotion when you're going to visit a place and you can capture that, right? You know, what's the feel of the place? What's the vibe? Does it suit you as a person? Yes or no. And, and you could rate all that. And they could put comments in, of course. That was nice. But now I had, again, not a mathematical scientific formula, but it gave us something to have a much more narrow and focused discussion. And because of that, we then looked at the lowest ranked schools and we said, well, let's talk about this one. And we talked it out and yeah, okay, fine. Maybe, maybe that's a, a safety school. You still kind of like it, but maybe it's kind of not your primary. All right, fine, it's a safety. And we narrowed it down to those few schools. And I really thought I had sent you that speech. No, you did. And, and I'm looking at it, my friend, and I will take advantage of it. I, I definitely... <laughs> 
I know I, I it was kind of what I when I used the stack ranking, I was kind of doing the macro level versus the micro level. So there's definitely the spreadsheet. I want to leverage it. I'm looking at I love I love some of these um, categories that are in here. Um, and I'm going to see if I can modify it for him. Um, I'll probably have to replace hockey with video games. But, um, you know, but <laughs> it is it is cool, right? Like, yeah, I'm definitely I have it now. I'm saving it to my desktop. Thank you. Yes, I am definitely going to focus on leveraging um, the spreadsheet and, and maybe at some point we could do a sanitized version and, and offer it to people on, uh, through Facebook or something, you know, um, yeah, that'd be great. if that's something great. we can take a look at. Um, but yeah, I, I love, and I'm going to dig into it a little bit. Right. And I think I love that system and I know we're a little bit off topic, but it really ties together the idea of you have to really be thoughtful with looking through the costs and having the plan. Right. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Right. So worst case scenario. You're up against, you know, you, you, you you're for whatever reason, you're forced to take out two hundred thousand dollars in student loans. Right. Which is astronomical. Right. Um, and let's say you're in that boat. You have to have a plan for that two hundred thousand. Right. It, there has to be a plan there. Otherwise, you know, you're, you, it's just going to be a disaster. And and I'm not, we're not recommending going out and getting two hundred thousand dollars in student debt. But if you're there already, or you're going down that road, or whatever it is, and you've taken that path, you got to have a plan to to for an end for an endpoint, right? Because the other thing that I've heard, and this is the non financial end of it, but it really ties to it, is mm-hmm. if you listen to Dave Ramsey. They'll, there's story after story after story where the parents and the kids, they co-sign the loan, kid goes to college, drops out, whatever, and now there's a big family rift because the kid's not paying. It's all on the parents. And the parents are resentful of the kid. And the kid's resentful of the parents, right? And it's breaking up families. These are big and, numbers. And, and that's why you have to have those hard discussions. You know, they're adults now. And, and while we want to help them and do as much as we can for them, you need to have that hard discussion. You really do. And, and I think, Paul, I, I love what you said before. You know, it's a 10-year plan. So if you're taking out to $200,000 at 6%, it's really easy to do an amortization schedule on that, you know. Okay. So you, you could bake it in. Well, you're not doing all 200 at the same time, but you, there are tools out there. That will let you see what it's going to be. All right, starting six months after I graduate, here's what the loan amount's going to be. Yeah, and and, and I that's th- going to take how many years? Like, so I loved how you said, "What is your ten-year plan for this?" Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I think no, 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 no. I think I, 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 I just thought of that now, but maybe that's that's the lens we look through. It was organic, believe it or not. It's <laughs> just the ten-year plan, right? Because that's what it comes out to be, right? Like when I look at it. That's what my niece is looking at, right? I'm using, and we had, we went to the city, my daughter and I, we met her at her dorm and she's loving college and, you know, really having a good time with it and, and working really hard and, and she's, you know, doing all the right things and, and trying to minimize her costs. And, and so it really is a, a good, uh, she's having a really good experience with it. And that's a good example of somebody who has got complete control and a plan in place to tackle the loans, right? She had to take the loans 
It's that's what it was. But she she knew going in eyes wide open and knowing the amounts that she's paying and and having a plan to get rid of it. Right. And I think that's the key where a lot of people don't. Right. And I think the one last thing I want to I'll do a a plug for Dave Ramsey. Um, I saw this pop up on one of our feeds and he just came out with a documentary called Borrowed Future, How Student Loans Are Killing the American Dream. Um, So if you think we were tough on student loans, watch this episode. I watched the trailer. It's crazy, right? (laughs) Like in terms of what he talks about. But I'm going to rent it, Paul. I think it's $4.99 to rent. I'm going to rent it to watch it, right? I'm going to scare myself silly because he probably has like all those cases where, you know, these massive loans were taken and people are just, you know, they're not no knock on being a barista. But if you have $500,000 in student loan debt and you're working at Starbucks, it's going to be tough to pay that thing off, right? Um, it's going to be tough to pay that thing off if you were a doctor, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, it's not just for you. So if you grow a family unit, right, you 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 get married and then kids, you know, that, that loan is now part of the family unit, right? And, and it hinders other potential things. So... I, again, you. I, I love your comment there. You know, what's the ten-year plan? I, I think that's a great way to frame it, and to uh, to do it. Again, again, simple math, right? You can amortize all this out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think that you know, with that, we'll kind of maybe bring this to to a close and kind of recap. Um, I guess my recap is, you know, I I, I think it was clear. I'm not. A, I'm not it. a fan of those. <laughs> Not a fan of the student loans, guys. Right? Like, just not. Um, if you're, if you're, if you're just having kids or they're really young, please, 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 invest in their future. You know, even if it's a hundred dollars a month, whatever it is, like, start putting money away. Don't let that kind of get away from you because you're going to turn around. Your kid's going to be seventeen, looking at colleges like mine, and and Pauls are out of the house and almost done, and and it's going to fly by. And if you've had no investment or no plan. Uh, please start thinking about it today uh, while you have some some runway uh, to do a 529 or to do some level of investment. Um, you know, I'm going to highly continue to recommend the 529. I think that's the simplest way, makes the most sense to me. There's other options that people will debate me on, but that's the one. It's done a good. It's been a good vehicle for our for our family, and um, it takes the edge off. Right, uh, we can have these conversations and visit these schools without my heart in my throat thinking, oh, how am yeah. I going to do this, right? You know, it's still there, but it's not as bad, right? Like we, I have the, 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 you know, we have this lever to pull that we've invested in. Um, so we're, we're one of the lucky ones, but I don't know if luck plays in, right? I, I could say we're lucky, but yes, thankful, grateful, lucky plays some part of it. But we, for, we did a lot of foregoing of trips to Disney or whatever to put that money away every year. Right. It yeah, wasn't absolutely like it wasn't like we had to make a choice. Right. Do we are we going to do a really big summer vacation or are we going to take a road trip and put that money into the 529? Right. And that's what we did. Right. So it wasn't like we did both. Right. And so you have to make those choices early and often. And if you make those right choices, you do OK. And, you know, I think that there's always going to be edge cases. There's always going to be cases where you know, um, people will, uh, be able to, you know, it'll work out really well. Um, I don't know, how, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. There's always going to be cases where it all works out great and there was no planning done. Right. But that's few and far. Right. Uh, and even with planning, um, 
you know, it comes down to, you know, the kids are doing well in school. That's that's got to be planned. Right. You got to make sure that's happening. And like all these things come into play. But I think the bottom line is before I'll stop my rambling is is really if student loans, interesting vehicle, take a look at them. Um, if they're if you have to use them, use them cautiously and look at the rates, look at the 10 year plan, look at what you're actually going to be paying at the end of that 10 years. And that's an aggressive pay, Paul, to your point that's an aggressive pay, right? Like uh, 10 years might, it might be 15 realistically, right? If you got to eat, right? And you're an industry where you come out and you're not making big dollars. Maybe your 10 year plan is really a 20 year plan, but most people let it be a 50 year plan, right? So. Right. It's all very realistic and possible, but, but, you know, and again, you're not just tied to these private student loans or the federal programs that there are other tools that you might have as an individual, right? So, so maybe your your home is an is an asset. You know, if you have a lot of that paid off, and maybe you only have ten years left on the mortgage or something, well, maybe maybe you can extend that, especially at three point one percent versus six point something percent. You know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Paul, is you know, you need to look at your overall whole financial health and all the tools levers you have. But doing that math is is so critical, and um, I'm going to stick with your 10-year plan because at least it's a number, it's a target, and it's a it, it gives you a way to frame it. Okay, where if you just say, "Well, I pay it off," but if you okay, 10-year plan, what are we doing? And then if it goes to 12, okay, but or 15 or whatever it might be. But parents, we, we, we just have to have those tough discussions with the kids sometimes because some jobs don't just pay as well. They just don't. Yep, that makes sense. And I think that's a great a great closure for the podcast. And, and Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful. But that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.